Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay, and I got a crowded booth here with me. We got two Chris's in the house, Chris Danziel, and finally, after two years, the wait is over. Chris Lane is in the building. Chris Lane, how are you doing today? I know you've been kind of asking for this for a while. You know, begging uh, begging was real fun, but I'm happy to not have to beg anymore. And apologies in advance for uh, ruining a, a very good and reputable podcast with the trash that's about to come out. Oh, <laughs> people have been asking for your return, and I think we have to credit Mike J. I think he's the one who just kind of was like, yeah, let's, let's make this happen. He's got all the sway in the world. What he says goes. He is still the leader. He's still the commander of, of VU Hoops. If you own the URL, you make all the decisions ultimately. And Stans, how have you been, man? I know it's been a little bit. That's partly my fault. Been been a little sick, but uh, yeah. how have you been, man? Yeah, how dare you not get your flu shot, Eugene, you anti-vaxxing POS. Uh, yeah, uh, we're doing all right over here. I'm glad you're better. Glad we're able to finally get back on the airwaves after a week or so. We've got a couple games to catch up on. Preview one, that'll be at Prudential Center. Should be a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right in your backyard. Unfortunately, no Dylan Painter, but we'll get into the other things as well. But yeah, we do have a couple games to go through that we did miss in my absence. First off, Nova just took on the Penn Quakers and they got their revenge, beating them 80 to 69. Huge, huge win for the Cats because, first of all, we beat the defending Big Five champs, which is kind of weird to say. But also, you saw a huge big boy performance from Sadiq Bey, racking up 27 points, six boards. Jeremiah Robinson Earl had 13 points, 12 boards. Colin Gillespie also cashing in 11 points. And then coming off the bench, you had a solid effort from Justin Moore, who was just dialed in with a 17-point effort. And then following that up with a St. Joe's victory. Anytime you beat the Hawks, it's always a good time. Nova won 78-66. to Huge game from Bay once again with 22 points and 9 boards. Colin Gillespie adding 20. Jermaine Samuels with 12 points, 7 rebounds. Justin Moore coming off the bench again with 14 points. Although it was a great win by the Cats, got a little weird at the end in the second half with Ryan Daly just leading a huge push for St. Joe's. But Nova was able to hold off their big five rivals to improve to 3-0 and in city play. Guys, what is your takeaway? We're going to have to overanalyze, overdigest these two games because we've just been starving for some Villanova basketball during this weird two-game and three-week stretch that we're in the middle of right now. Yes. So I, I don't have a lot of hot takes, essentially, but I, I thought the most interesting thing uh, to take away from those two games, and, and Mike Jensen uh, in the Inquirer wrote about this a little bit, is the way teams are starting to defend us is different, at the very least. I, I don't know that you would call it successful, given the amount of points that the offense is putting up and how efficient they are, but you know we're used to seeing Villanova drive and stop and pivot and kick and, and find open shooters and take a lot of threes, and uh, the last two games especially, and I, I actually think it happened during LaSalle a little bit too, there's been a lot of no-help defense and just, you know, ISO and post-up and let guys go to work. And that's where we've seen Sadiq Bey, you know, really, I think, stand out and, and use a lot of his skill set inside and uh, show some of that dominance over, you know, players that, you know, you don't want to call him inferior, but he, he's clearly the best player on the floor and and he showed that. And uh You've seen Justin Moore take a lot of advantage of that too, um, just with you know some of his hesitation moves and uh, his strength down low. So it, it's been interesting to watch that because if you think back, I don't know if it was last season or two seasons ago, but when Michigan did that in the pavilion, it was really ugly when when we didn't have guys that could break down off the dribble or score one-on-one. 
we appear to have a few right now if, if you include Jeremiah Robinson Earl in that in that group. So we're, we're starting to see an offense that really, like, how do you stop them? They've got clearly great shooters all over the floor. They're still shooting, I think, around 39 40% from three on the season. They've got ISO scores that if you don't help on them, they can beat you inside pretty, uh, pretty easily. And this may be a competition thing right now, but I'll be interested to see over the next couple of weeks uh, when we get to Kansas and we get to, to Big East competition, if that actually holds up, if, if teams stick with that strategy or if we start to see more help defense and, and guys doubling down on people like Bay and, and Earl and more. To kind of pivot there a little bit too, I hate to focus on the negative here because it was two wins, but the second half performance in both was very underwhelming. And we've been hyping up on this show past few years that Villanova is a second half team. Everyone kind of knows it. But this year, it's got a little bit of a different vibe. In this Penn game, they had a sizable lead going into half, six points, but then they built it up, and then they let Penn crawl right back into it. And Penn was within striking distance until the very end, until Villanova hit a couple of free throws late. And I believe that was Colin who hit six late to really pull away there. And then in the St. Joe's game, they had a huge halftime lead, up 16. And then they let St. Joe's come right back. And as Eugene mentioned, Ryan Daly was a big part of that. And I just don't know why the second half all of a sudden is a problem. It's a big problem for me and my gambling habits because, God forbid, we cover a spread for once. But it would be nice (laughs) for us to uh, (laughs) – I know you'd like that, Chris. Uh, It would be nice for us to just, you know, have a complete game, and I don't think we really had that yet against a formidable opponent. Now, obviously, that can obviously change. There's still a lot of season left. But I know you were kind of focusing on how everyone guards us, but I – kind of focused as a team as a whole that where in the second half it just seems to be a little bit of a problem and I even mentioned it last episode too I think we did that the second half just looks to be a little bit of a problem right now I have a theory go for it I would love to hear it well we're building up big leads and we're taking our foot off the gas and you guys know I'm a I'm a big like push the pace like run use use your athletic advantage right we've got a roster full of four and five star talent a lot of youth too so it's a little bit like wild horses where I think Jay is trying to make them play in a certain way, but you're seeing us consistently off of misses and off of turnovers. We're, we're not walking the ball up the court, which frankly we've done in years past. So that's been really encouraging to see. And, and you see us build up some big leads and uh, especially against the you know lesser competition, we're building double digit leads pretty quickly by, by pushing the pace and taking advantage of easy scoring opportunities. And then all of a sudden in the second half of both of these games, I think we're starting to see when our shots don't fall and when the opponent scores, it's immediately a, you know, hands in the air, everybody slow down, let's refocus. And that builds if, you know, we don't make a, you know, two, three, four shots in a row, opponents start making shots. All of a sudden the pace slows down. We're not taking advantage of everything and the game becomes tight again, which again, then fuels, I think, Jay Wright's strategy a little bit of slow down, be more careful, don't take any risks. Let's try to work on, you know, offense and and concepts and fundamentals rather than just letting talent take over. Um, So it's been a a source of frustration for me. I I completely agree with you, Chris, that it's been frustrating the last couple of games to see a 15, 20 point lead all of a sudden evaporate in five minutes. And then we find ourselves watching 10 minutes of fairly stressful basketball, although I don't really ever think we're in real danger of losing any game. It, it doesn't need to be that close. We should be trying to score 100 every night because the offense, I think we're still number two in Ken Palm. The offense is that good. That's the way you're going to win games. And when we get into conference play and the, con- and the uh, competition stiffens up, this defense is nowhere near good enough to win games playing slow and relying on getting stops. We'll, we'll, we'll lose way more games than we win if that's our strategy. Uh, I do think the defense will improve, but 
it's, it's very strange to see us not just leaning really, really heavy on clearly the best part of the team. Now, do you think, uh, building upon that, do you think the way they're playing is kind of contributing to another trend that I've been picking up recently? Is the, is the under-reliance now, I guess is the word for it, on, of the three-point shot? They only took 10 against Penn, and then they took 17 against St. Joe's, which I guess is a sizable amount, but only hit four. So I feel like the three-pointer isn't as focal point in this offense as much. Yeah, that probably brings us back to, to what I first said, where I think it's the way that the, the local city teams are defending us right now. Uh, and I think it was uh, I think it was Steve Donahue that said it in his post game press conference where where somebody credited him and said you know you guys did a great job of limiting Villanova's three point attempts and he was like well we're not we're certainly not going to get beat by letting somebody firebomb us from deep right we're not going to leave wide open shooters because you've got a bunch of guys shooting forty percent you're going to get run off the floor so you got to take your chances you got to try to win one on one battles make them take tough twos which is you know a very similar defensive strategy to Jay Wright employs. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing that we're not trying to force threes. It will come back out that, you know, teams will now see in a scouting report, you can't leave Sadiq Bay one-on-one in the post with, you know, anybody guarding him. He's too quick for bigs. He's too strong for guards. He's a very tough matchup. So if you're going to let him go and get 25 points and try to limit the three pointers, that's a, that's a fair strategy, but it'd be interesting to watch to see if that goes back the other way at all. Going off your love for pushing the pace, what is up with that? You know, whenever we see them turn up the temperature, turn up the heat, and just run, guns blazing, it's so much fun. We love it. I mean, I see you raving about it on Twitter, and then we do get into those second-half spurts where, you know, we go back to slowing it down, which is okay. Like you said, I don't think we've been in jeopardy of losing those leads in the second half. But, man, what do we need to do to convince Jay to just clock it up for all 40 minutes, just foot on the gas, and just continue to push the pace and run it because we do have a lot of athletes on this team, a lot of youth and a lot of quickness. And we do have the players that could definitely do it for sure. Yeah. You know, I, uh, it was funny after last season, I kind of just in my head was, was kind of resigned to the fact that maybe, you know, Jay Wright has a job for life at Villanova. He's won two titles. How could you kind of really complain about it? And I certainly have in the past, so I'll admit to that, but you know, I was like, you know what, we, we are just going to play at a slower pace. Now that's who we are. We're going to be an execution style offense where, you know, we're smarter, we're, we're, we're faster, we're better at, at executing all of this offense than you are at playing defense. And that, you know, if you look at back at the Brunson teams and the Archie Diacono teams, they did not play at a fast pace and they were still very, very deadly offenses. Uh, what I find interesting is that Jay does seem to be very much leaning into um, at least selective uh, opportunism when it comes to, you know, off of turnovers, off of misses. Uh, if there is an opportunity, you can clearly see that Gillespie, uh, Moore, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, these guys clearly have the green light to push the pace, try to find a guy going up the wing, get a bucket before the defense can really set itself. So that's really encouraging to see just his evolution as a coach there. And I know earlier in his career, they played a little quicker. So this is maybe just a, a boomerang back the other way. But um, it, it's encouraging to see him adapt a different style, I think, that fits his roster. If he's going to run eight, nine guys out there every night, you've got to take advantage of fresh legs, young legs, light minutes on certain guys, and, and try to push the pace. What, what I can't seem to reconcile just yet is why that goes away when we miss a couple of shots or the opponent makes a couple of shots. It all still seems to slow down. And the only thing I, you know, the only theory I really have is this is still a young team and he maybe doesn't totally trust them to just figure it out on their own. So it's a, hey, let's slow down. Let's get back to basics. Let's try to run some offense. Let's try to get a hoop here. Uh, and then let's, you know, again, lock down on defense, 
try to get a stop. And then, you know, once we feel more comfortable, we got things back under control, we can ramp it up again. I don't know that I'd necessarily agree with that approach, just given the makeup of the roster, but I certainly can understand where he's coming from because that is the way he's coached a lot of the the success in recent years. It's not been an all out blitz. It's been very calculated and, and very execution oriented. No, Chris, I completely hundred percent agree with you on, on that point that the, I think the reason why they do slow it down is because they are young and Jay doesn't trust them. But it, wouldn't you say like, wouldn't it be better to let kind of let them figure it out now in a game against like St. Joe's and Penn. So it doesn't, so you're able to figure, find it out or figure it out in a game in March against like Seton Hall in the Big East tournament. Or, or would you kind of just roll with this way? They're kind of approaching it throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, this is where I, you know, Jay's the coach. I'm not. And there's, there's a very good reason for that. We're, we're just, you know, <laughs> analyzers here. Right. But so I, right. I don't want to say like, no. yeah, no, I would do it differently. Right. We're, we're whatever we are, seven and two on the season. No, six I and two. Just, We've had a lot of success. Right. I, right. I, I agree with you. I, I think mistakes early, especially when you're playing, you know, the city schools or, or, you know, it, it's not Baylor, it's not Ohio state. I completely understand with, you know, not trying to get out of your comfort zone uh, as a coach and, and trying to teach your kids on the fly and, and really reinforce the principles of your offense, your defense, your program, the way you want to play. I'm with you. I don't necessarily agree with that strategy because if you win a close game versus Penn, uh, if you win a close game versus St. Joe's, you win a close game versus Delaware, and you're just trying to let your team play through the mistakes, nobody really is going to remember that when it comes for you know tournament seeding or whatever, as long as you won the game. And I don't necessarily think we've really been, as we said, in any danger of losing any of these games. So it's a little frustrating in that regard, but at the end of the day, like wins a win. And I, I'm very pleased that we are at least showing the uh, the desire to play faster in spots. That's one of the things that you know I've publicly griped about for the last couple of seasons is when you have such good teams and such elite talent, you can overwhelm people by just playing at a speed that they're not comfortable with. And we've had players and athletes that can play at that speed. So it's been frustrating that we didn't do it the past couple of years, you know, national championship included. So why would you complain about anything? But I'm very encouraged that we're doing it this uh, this season because. It's one of the things I've wanted to see out of this program for a long time. So I'm happy. Got no real complaints about any of that. And I think uh, this has been really exciting to watch Jay change the strategy and and push the tempo a little bit. Yeah. And aside from pushing the tempo, we've also seen more younger guys getting minutes be a huge part of the rotation. I want to get your take on the young guys. We've had Brendan come on here to share his thoughts, but starting with Justin Moore, we saw what he did to start off the year. He was just pretty solid right off the bat, looked pretty mature. Now he's pivoted to the bench role. Do you like him coming off the bench and adding a punch that way? Or do you want to see him back in the starting five? He's done pretty well so far his last couple of games. I saw somebody, I think it might have been Brendan, even say that that he thought Jay just wanted more experience in the starting lineup, or maybe he even said that directly. I tend to agree with that. I, I think Jay, um, his comfort zone is is upperclassmen, or at least the older guys in the program. So throwing a, uh, a sophomore over a freshman expected in, in my mind a little bit. Um, I do think, like you said, he's responded really well to it. And I think that shows the mental makeup that he has where, uh, you know, the scouting report on him or, or, you know, the analysts out of high school basically said, you know, this guy's just a winner. He doesn't really care about stats. He doesn't care about anything other than winning. He's, he's one of those ultra competitive kids, very much in the mold of Josh Hart, where don't care if I'm starting, don't care how many minutes I play, don't care how many points I score. I'm going to lock in on every single possession and make sure I win this individual battle, make sure my team wins this possession. Uh, so I've been, I've been extremely impressed with him since he you know, has been our, on our recruiting radar. 
he's been one of the guys that I've been super high on just because I don't necessarily think he's, you know, an immediate NBA projection guy. He looks very much in the mold of a four-year player at Villanova, the kind of guy that Jay has a ton of success with and, and, you know, will develop this guy into a first team, all big East player, possibly even an all American if, if he trends uh, up that way. But you look at just how ready he was stepping on campus in terms of decision-making um, even aggression offensively. It's rare to see that for a freshman at Villanova to see a guy very often look for his own shot, take tough shots, uh, not defer to others. He's got everything that we want to see in a young player. So I've been thrilled with him. I, I and you know I think I'm kind of probably how he feels. Who gives a shit if he's starting or not? Um, as long as he's playing well and he's happy and he's competitive, that's all we can ask for as fans. Yeah, I really think that him moving as like the six man role has really lit the proverbial fire under his butt. And not that he was doing poorly before. It just seemed like his minutes were dwindling in the tournament. And then the next thing you know, he gets quote unquote benched or taken out of the starting lineup. I shouldn't say benched. He gets taken out of the starting lineup and then he starts to light the world on fire. But I kind of want to pivot now to JRE. He's obviously had a great start to the season outside of maybe a game or two. Uh, against Penn, he puts up a double-double casually, no big deal. And then St. Joe's, he struggled big mightily. He didn't have a basket. I think it wasn't until like the last like four or five minutes of the game. And then he ended up hitting a clutch and one towards the end to kind of seal it. So what, what, do you, what have you been making of JRE's performance so far? I mean, obviously – He's, he's been great, but anything in particular stand out to you? Yeah, you know, I, I actually, it's funny. I thought the, the St. Joe's game was very odd um, as well. I, you know, it was one of those games where I was watching it and kind of just more getting into the, the rivalry and the atmosphere of the crowd. And, you know, we built the big lead. They kind of chipped away and came back, made it a close game. And it was, you know, just an enjoyable game to watch, um, you know, between two schools that generally don't like each other. So, I didn't really zero in on his performance and I, I checked out the stats after and I was like, Oh wow, he didn't really do all that much. Kind of went back and cycled through some possessions where, you know, he was getting touches and it, it was, you know, I don't know, it, like if under the weather or something, or, you know, maybe minor injury, he just didn't seem his normal self in terms of aggression, looking for his shot, making things happen. Um, thought he played generally fine. Um, wasn't disappointed or anything, but just a little bit more invisible than he usually is. But, uh, generally speaking, I would I would echo exactly everything that Brendan said on the the pod. He came on. He's he's so so talented. Um, just from from every single facet of the game in terms of footwork in the post, like basketball intelligence, finding open passers, making off the ball cuts. Like you just don't really see guys come in uh, that polished across the board. I think the only thing holding him back from like top ten NBA pick is freakish athleticism and probably like three to four more inches uh, height wise because he's got really everything skill set wise and and uh, you know even the outside shot has looked relatively pretty good I, I thought he would be more of a uh, you know elbow jump shooter kind of guy take the shot if it's there he's been really letting him fly whenever he's got the look from uh, beyond the arc and and making his fair amount of them to the point where I you know the first few I was like what are you doing and and now I'm like take it like shoot it um, so I, I've been thrilled with him. I think uh, don't know if he'll be one or done or not, uh, or one and done or not. But uh, it seems to me like he might be a guy that sticks around for another season or two, just because he might not have the athleticism that the NBA scouts drool over. Um, and he's going to be a guy that I think consistently, like you said, puts up double doubles and is a you know top one to two guy on every opponent scouting report that you've got to deal with and, and double down and make sure he doesn't kill you. No complaints with Jerry so far. He's definitely been a monster. Gotta love what he's been able to do on both ends of the court and also on the boards. But 
pivoting over to the other five-star Frost that's gotten a lot of attention going in. Unfortunately, had that shoulder injury. And ever since he's come back, we've been fielding a lot of questions about Brian Antoine. People want to know, oh, you know, how come he's not really performing well? We've been trying to tell listeners out here to, you know, be patient, be patient. It's only he's still trying to get a hold of the system and everything. But maybe they also need to hear from Chris Lane. Chris, what is your take on Brian Antoine? Do people just need to chill? Is it just a matter of waiting for him to get acclimated or being more used to the system or being in tune with what's going on in the court? Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. Everybody's got to uh, calm the hell down here. Like, ha- have another cup of coffee and a cigarette and, and just relax. He's um, he, he's clearly very talented. You you look at him the way he moves around the floor, and you're like, this is by far the best athlete on the roster. I mean, he uh, in in the limited minutes he's played, he takes a lot of gambles on defense to the point where you know you see him start to move into a passing lane, and you're like what are you doing? There's no way you're going to get close to that. And, and very often he gets fingertips on it or, or, or even knocks it out of bounds. And you're like, you know, whoa, we, we've not had a defender like that probably since Mikel Bridges was here where you just have these long arms and, and quick first step and you're able to be that disruptive uh, on defense. That being said, I actually think his defensive fundamentals are, are pretty appalling. Um, like to the point where what was going on, like who was coaching you in high school and <laughs> taking an intentional dig at Mike Rice there. But um, it, it's, it's very odd to watch him play defense for, for an athlete that's that fluid. He looks very uncomfortable in simple things like a defensive stance. Um, looks very uncomfortable tracking p- players around the floor on the defensive end. Um, and so you see that and you kind of go, well, that, that's exactly why, or you know, at least one of the reasons why he's not playing major minutes yet is he's pretty much a liability on defense right now. He'll come up with some highlight reel plays. He'll, he'll make some good um, deflections and tips and, and can be disruptive, but he's also going to lose a lot of guys. Guys are going to go by him pretty easily. He fouls pretty often. Um, you can see it's very much a work in progress on that end. And you combine that with the shoulder surgery, which, you know, um, for anybody who's ever played a sport at any sort of high level, if you take that much time off the court, it just takes a while to get back into the groove. And, and you understand the limited minutes he's been playing. I think I said before the Myrtle Beach tournament that, you know, it's great that, you know, he's been cleared for game activity. Like, that's awesome. Good for him. Do not expect this guy to be playing a ton. And then he went out and was in the game in like two minutes, played a bunch, looked pretty good. Everybody got all excited. And then after that, we've, we've not seen a ton of him. And I think that's, that's what I kind of expected all along was very slow, very steady. He's got a lot of catching up to do. He's months behind his teammates, realistically. Um, and that's at no fault of his own. He was you know, not diagnosed with an injury in high school, and that's very unfortunate for him. But he'll get there. I, I think this may be trending a little bit towards, a, you know, not, not a lost season, but I'm not sure we're going to see the Brian Anton we thought we were going to see this season. And, and that's totally fine. We, we've got a lot of coverage on the roster. And I think if you can carve out a role for him, it is somebody as a, you know, high energy, um, top of the press, you know, somebody who can be disruptive in, in small spurts, um, somebody who can, you know, thrive in the type of pace system that, that I want to see a little bit more of who, you know, is out there causing some disruptiveness on defense, grabbing rebounds, running the floor, getting easy buckets. That's probably the role best suited for his skill set right now, given uh, that he's still catching up on a lot of the, the concepts within the uh, scheme of the program. So gut, just the gut feeling. Do you think he eventually works his way fully into the rotation, or do you think we kind of just see a fully reduced role throughout? It's just, right, right, yeah, right now, I, I 
don't know that we will see what we thought we'd see, which is probably 20 plus minutes a game, you know, either starter or sixth, seventh man off the bench, just given, you know, how well everybody's playing right now. I don't know that we'll see that. That That's kind of my gut. Uh, and that, and again, that's totally fine. Like, you, you know, a labor injury is extremely serious um, and, and, you know, very painful. So it's been a long road back for him. He's just getting there. Who knows next week he may have a breakout game and, and fully insert himself into the rotation. I'm just not seeing it right now. And, and the reason I say that is we're, we're playing teams that if he was getting very close, I think you would see him starting to play, you know, around 15 minutes a game and, um, you know, having a little bit of a larger role, especially when we get up by 15 to 20 points in the first half, he should be out there for a little bit longer than he seems to be getting into the game. And I, I don't know if that's a um, conditioning thing or there's still some risk around the injury with Jay and the, and the medical staff, but I, I tend to think it's mostly just he's behind on, you know, fundamentals and concepts of, of the offense and defense. And Jay is being very, very cautious with him. And, every, you know, we saw this with Javon Quinter last year. Not that I, I hate making that comparison because a lot of people are making that comparison that he's the new, you know, JQ and Jay's doghouse. It's not that at all. But, you know, you'd see Quinterly last year get in for a little bit, make a mistake and get immediately ganked. And, and Jay, you know, really start talking to him and the assistants talking to him about what went wrong and trying to fix that and coach him. You're seeing a lot of the same things with Antoine right now. And I don't think there's an attitude problem. I don't think there's a buy-in problem. I think it's just he did not have a preseason. He did not have the practice schedule that everybody else did. So they've got to they've got to work him as they go. And, you know, that's that's the way they're choosing to coach him right now. Before we pivot over to previewing the upcoming Delaware game, I do want to get your take on one thing, Chris Lane, on DCR. Besides Antoine and the young freshman, he seems to be another hot topic that everyone loves to talk about on Twitter or on the comments section. What's up with DCR and what should we expect moving forward? Yeah, your uh, your guess is as good as mine. My my best guess is is probably that he's still dealing with some injuries. Uh, I know that was a big thing last season and, and pretty well known. I haven't seen officially or or even talked to anyone that said that's still the issue. But I think there's probably something still there. He doesn't look still right to me in the way he's moving around and the speed at which he moves. Something just appears a little bit off still. So I'm willing to say, or at least bet on, he's not feeling 100%. Um, now the other thing I think that's that's starting to come here is that he does not fit the mold of of the way this team wants to play, which is a little bit more tempo, uh, a little bit more positionless. Right, you've got guys all over the floor that can uh, match up with with different players that are quick enough to deal with different players, and he's much more of a traditional uh, forward in that he's very comfortable in the post, not comfortable on the perimeter, um, can't really stay in front of guards. Um, you know, can can get a little overpowered by some elite bigs. Not that, that that's a bad thing, um, but he's he's just not a, a roster fit right now. I think, and so I think that's why you're seeing his minutes reduced. Um, you know, what I what I do find still encouraging about him is that, and I don't think we've seen this yet, and I think we'll see more of him uh, as we get into conference play. You're going to need somebody like him when you deal with the the more traditional forwards in the Big East. Right now, we're winning on a lot of talent, and we've played. You know, even with Ohio State um, and Baylor, a lot of very guard and wing oriented teams, which he's not a matchup fit for. Uh, when we get into Big East play, where Jay typically relies on more experience, and you're going to run into some more traditional lineups uh, and roster constructions, I do think he'll have a role to play. Um, and all that being said, guys like clearly an ultimate team player. He he's well respected by his teammates. The coaches like him. He's not a malcontent. So 
you know, what, what does it really matter if he's playing a little less than, than you thought he was going to this year? Teams performing well. Um, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been a, a breakout uh, star on this team. So what do you expect? You want, do you want uh, DCR playing over him? I don't think anybody would say that. Do you want him playing over, you know, guys like Swider who've got a, you know, very high level skill set that's valuable to the roster? Do you want him playing over, you know, Sadiq Bay? Probably not, right? So, you know, who would you take out of the lineup right now to give him more minutes? I don't know that I would take anyone out, right? So things are going well. He's clearly got a role to play. He'll, he'll continue to play. We should all be just thrilled that he's on the team. He's a good leader. His teammates like him, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I do think we'll see a little bit more of him when we get the conference play because matchups will dictate that. Look, I'm all for talking about the fourth guy off the bench's minutes, but I think we got to talk about the real question here. And that is your opinion on the alternate jerseys that Villanova wore against Penn. Um, oh, they're unbelievable. Yeah, you see, like Chris, them? I told you. I told you they're great. I told you they're great. I don't great. like them. Yo, come on. Like Come Look, on. That color in of itself is a great color. As I was telling you, Eugene, that color, like with the San Diego Chargers, they're alternates. They're powder blue throwbacks. Love that jersey. I got that when I was younger. I had an LT jersey because I thought I was cool. And that's why I got it. And that was a great jersey. But this just doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. But the problem yeah, is, I, I could just, I could just say that. The Villanova with the, if it was white, I would, if the Villanova was white, the wording was white and the numbers were white, I would say it would look great, but then you look like a knockoff UNC and I'm not for that. So uh, I think that's exactly the reason they didn't do that. And I, I agree <laughs> with you there. And, and let, like, I'll, let's be clear. I had a lot of people actually telling me, um, I was up in New York um, recently at one of the Villanova things and, and a couple of people were saying, this is North Carolina knockoff. And I was like, it's a completely different. I'm, I'm a little colorblind. And I can actually see that that's a very different shade of blue. Um, so it's not a North Carolina knockoff. But to your point, if it's white lettering, it, it does tend to start looking like UNC. I just think like the uniform thing, Villanova, I think their, their culture and their institution is very traditional and conservative and, um, you know, not like an Oregon or a Boise State or they're not going to do anything bold, right? So I think doing things like the retro throwbacks, doing some alternate uniforms, um, that's all like progress to me and just keeping up with the times and being, you know, more of a fun atmosphere and a younger atmosphere and, and changing things up. Right. We've seen, you know, my dad, uh, my dad went to Notre Dame and I've seen him have mini meltdowns over things like jumbotrons going into the stadium and alternate <laughs> uniforms. And at the end of the day, I just always go to him like, you know, what, do, what do you care? <laughs> like, you know, it, it's fun. They're trying to stay current. They're trying to sell merchandise and, and that's all good stuff. Now I think the argument there is, does Villanova actually sell the merchandise is, is probably the big question. So um, if they did that, this is, this is a clear moneymaker for them. So I'm all for changing it up and trying new things. And at the end of the day, I think we can all agree on it's much better than the gray uh, piece of trash okay. that they put out a couple of years ago that, that made us look like Georgetown. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, yeah, it, it made them look like Georgetown and then these make them look like UNC. <laughs> it is like copying other schools. But look, the current uniform set, the home and away, the regular ones are fine. I love them. They're great. They got a little bit of a retro feel to them. But like these, eh, I don't know. But I, I, I do like what you said. Go, go for the, uh, yeah, go, go for the Kittles throwback. Could you go for that? Yes, oh, I, I could. I would wear that. I would wear that. I would wear that in a heartbeat. I are the 85s that on the yeah, market that, That's the one where I don't know that they will, but I, that's I the one I think is like very, very easy to just go, yeah, do that and, mm -hmm. and put those for sale in the bookstore and you're going to make a ton of money. Oh, yeah. That and the 85 ones, for sure. 
but they don't do that. The eighty fives aren't on the market yet, right? That that still hasn't happened. Well, the shorts are. Yeah, the, the shorts, shorts are. I forget yeah. what the company name is. Like nine nineteen nine or something is doing those, and uh, I did buy a pair of those, and uh, they they aren't as good a quality as I thought they were going to be, but it is nice to just have something like a lounge around in the house in. Yeah, I remember when those came out. I was very, I was very psyched. But then when I saw it wasn't official, I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> oh, I hope the quality is going to be good." Yeah, the uh, I mean, the bookstore was clapping back at me a little on those, and I was like, I was like, you know, great job, guys. And like, see, we did it. I'm like, yeah, you outsourced it to a knockoff vendor. Like, great job. <laughs> like, give yourself a good pat on the back. So we got a game this Saturday. It's felt like it's been forever since there's been one, but not really. But we're going up against the Delaware Blue Hens. Chris, it's going to be right in your backyard, the Prudential Center. Never forget yeah. Tribute Classic. We're coming back since Josh Hart lit the world on fire against Notre Dame. Are you going to be in attendance, Chris? I won't be. I don't know. Uh, well, I, it's debatable right now. I, I'm not sure yet, but most likely not. No Dylan Painter, so you're not going. Exactly. I didn't want to say it. I wanted to save it for the preview, but it's because Dylan Painter will not be playing, and I got so upset. I am refusing to buy tickets. I'm boycotting. We all stand with Dylan Painter. Yeah, I mean, really. Come on, guys. Yeah, Dylan Painter is not going to play. We're burn not your tickets. Solo. Nobody go to the game. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you exactly. Burn your tickets. Don't go to the game. <laughs> That's why we go. Yeah, unfortunately, no Dylan Painter, but the Delaware Blue Hens are coming in 9-1. and one. They are coming off a loss, actually, the first of the season going up against George Washington. But right now, it's not looking like they're going to get a good chance to bounce back against Nova. They have four different guys averaging double figures with Nate Darling leading the way with 21.3 points per game. Guys, look, it's been a few years since we last played Delaware. I know that Ken Palm lists Villanova as an 89% favorite to win. Guys, is there any chance that we leave this weekend just completely outraged because something unpredictable happens against the blue hands. No, uh, hard. No. <laughs> okay. And there's your preview. Good. This is a, Good this is a football. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is uh, the, the, the most interesting part of the game. Like Stan's man said is, will we cover the spread? Yeah. That's all I'm looking forward to. That's all I asked for one time, please. The one year that we, uh, New Jersey legalizes gambling they decide, oh, we're not going to be a second-half team anymore. We're not going to cover spreads. Like, come on, guys. Please, just just once. <laughs> Maybe you should just bet on the first half. Well, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But you know you know exactly what's going to happen. Then they'll become the second-half team. So <laughs> I'm just holding off until a pattern is established late enough into the season where I can start making some money. That's all. It's the weirdest thing with gambling, how you can affect, like, the flow and the outcome of the game just by what side you're on. Yeah, I always find Obviously. that to be amazing. Yeah, no, it's – Clearly a thing. Like this year, I can't tell you how many games <laughs> in the NFL, the kickers just, they found out I was betting on a game, and they're like, oh, we don't feel like making kicks anymore. Adam Vinatieri, the most clutch kicker of all time, and just proceeds to just go down the drain in the game that I need him. I'm with you, man. It's, uh, it, it's incredibly frustrating sometimes to watch <laughs> this kind of stuff when you, you got a little action on the game, and you're just like, man, so, all right, uh, you know, got to cover six points. Or we're up by 12 with 30 seconds left, and people just, like, keep fouling. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> dribble it out. Pound the ball on the ground. <laughs> where's, Colin, where's Colin Gillespie pounding the ball into the ground when you need him? Really? <laughs> Have you guys ever bet on a game that ended up as a Scott Van Pelt bad beat? Ooh. I... Every week? 
<laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh yeah, here I'll pull up my uh, pull up my app right now. I'll tell you, I had a real bad one yesterday. Uh, well, gosh, where was it? it? It was actually like the most absurd thing ever. All right, so you're gonna love this. Is like real degen- de- uh, degenerate style stuff. Mm-hmm. Bet on the uh, uh, Bryant Fordham game yesterday. Why? You ask? <laughs> be- be- why? <laughs> why? Because it was on at noon on a on a Tuesday. Uh, and you know, what else am I doing other than my day job? So, so I, I went, uh, I went under 127 and a half. Brian had an 11 point lead with like a minute left. I want to say something like that. Uh, so the game's over. Right. Uh, and I had like, you know, an eight point cushion to cover the under ensued the, ensued the foul fest, which God bless Fordham and Brian for both sucking and just missing a ton of free throws. Otherwise this wouldn't have been as painful, but you know, we've got three seconds left in the game. You know, Brian hits a couple of free throws. It's, you know, whatever. They're up by nine or eight or something like that at this point. And uh, the Fordham guy just goes down and, and hits a three-pointer runner at the buzzer to make the total 130. I lose. And I'm sitting there just dumbfounded. <laughs> like, you know, what, what, on earth just, what on earth just happened? Wow. Ooh, this thing was in the bag. Yeah. Oh, God. That's what, that's what you get for gambling on Bryant and Fordham, though. So, yeah, exactly. lesson learned, kids. Yeah, over-unders on basketball just scare the crap out of me just for that reason. But, like, I, I guess if I have to give a story with mine, it, it's not even that – it's not even re- remotely close to that. But just this year, uh, Packers-Lions Monday night took the over. Packers went down uh, – went downfield, ha- got the ball within the one-yard line, and then I forget who it was. I believe it was Jamal Williams just took a knee at the one or just like fell down at the one to set up a game winning field goal. And I was thrilled because the Packers won obviously, but uh, it, as a result, the touchdown would have put the over, would have hit the over and the field goal did not. So I guess that was the closest thing to a bad beat, but I'm not betting on Fordham and Bryant on a Tuesday afternoon. So I haven't reached that level yet, but I'm sure I'll get there, Chris. And when I do, I'll let you know. And then we can with, share with, with practice, my friend, with practice, yes. you will, uh, you will learn the ways of a true degenerate. <laughs> Can't wait to get there. Well, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, and answer the questions that all the listeners out there have for us. We got a full bag today, and we have Chris Lane in the house, so I think we'll be able to handle all of this. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Rock and roll. All right, this first question is from Peter Chi, or Kai, not exactly 100% sure, but his question is, what Villanova basketball-related questions should I ask my intro statistics students on their final exam? Chris Lane, I know you weren't here last time, but it was, I believe it was last semester or the spring semester. He actually incorporated a question uh, involving Joe Cremo and his controversial three-point shooting as a stats question on one of his exams. So what should he discuss this time? What should he use as inspiration for this year's or this semester's test? <laughs> that's uh that's actually pretty decent i would just actually go with more of a statement and try to weed out who the uh the weenies are in your class and just say <laughs> do you have a problem with villanova shooting a ton of threes yes or no <laughs> and if anybody answers no uh you know meet me in temecula stands you got you got any sort of angle he should use for math inspiration 
Uh, great question. No, no, I don't. I'm not, I, I'm convinced I have the, the uh, lowest GPA of the three of us. So I am not going to dive into class questions here. I think that's better reserved for you guys, the smarties. He was told there would be no math involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave that out. I'm, I'm a words guy, not a numbers guy, but I can respect it. Yeah. And I, it's funny, I'm, and I'm the accountant here, and I don't want to deal with numbers right now. I think it's just I, I need to take a break from a computer. I guess <laughs> talking to numbers all day. I would like, you know, I guess we could use a question somehow. If Peter can just incorporate the difference between uh, increasing the pace of play and satisfaction among Villanova fans out there, I would like that. This next question is from Fred Rung. He wants to know of all the returnees, who do you guys? feel most disappointed with at this stage of the season, whether it be regression, lack of improvement, et cetera. Yeah. Colin Gillespie easily. Uh, and, and mostly just for banter's sake, he's actually been really, really good. Um, but way better than I thought he was going to be way, way more assertive, aggressive, like everything we kind of weren't happy with him for the previous couple of seasons thought he'd never get there. He's just gone out and like kicked the shit out of everybody so far. Uh, so, you know, Colin, goddamn you, uh, stop playing so well. We have nothing to complain about now. Uh, and I, and I miss ragging on you every single game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with the easy answer and it's gotta be DCR. I mean, we just talked about it last segment or two segments ago, just about how he's just regressed big time and he hasn't been the same since the, uh, in season tournament last year. And it's just, as a result, he's had a reduced minutes and, it just looks lost sometimes, but I'm with you on that, Chris, that I am happy to see him, you know, on the team, obviously I'm not bashing him, but it is just, he's just bad right now. Uh, man, disappointed. Yeah, you uh, you yeah. know, I, I want to say Brandon Slater. I don't know. I just kind of thought he would kind of take off a little more than I expected. What are you talking about? Uh-oh. Slater? Great. Slater? Yeah. Slater's been great defensively. No, like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. Maybe, obviously, maybe your defensively. expectations were out of whack. Oh no, 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 no. Defensively, yes. You know, like obviously, you know, I thought he would be great defensively. I just thought like his athleticism would also translate on the offensive end. That let me sorry, let me let me specify here. Brandon Slater's offensive contributions. No, of course, is like athleticism and defensively. Yeah, he's been great. No, no, I'm talking about, you know, when he shoots a ball, it doesn't look pretty. I just would have thought he would have been more of an impact player offensively this year. Oh, man. I, I, yeah, I, I, I see where you're going with that. I, I just think he's like the kind of guy where uh, it, it's going to be defense first always. Um, you can see when he gets ahead of steam or he's got an angle into the lane, he's got those long strides. He can, he's shown he can punch one into the rim. The shot yeah. is seems very, very broken, obviously, yeah. and, and I don't know that that's – that's readily fixable. Although we've seen Jay and his staff fix plenty of shots. I don't know that that'll be an overnight thing, but uh, I, I do think the upside is still there. And, and I think you, I don't know how many threes he's made on the season, but it's definitely a few more than I thought he would have made to this point. So I think there's still upside there that could be untapped on the offensive end, but he's been, uh, he's been like everything I wanted to see him on the court for last season when we were just yeah. horrid oh, defensively. Yeah. And it's like, man, we've got like a, we've got like a weapon sitting on the bench where, you know, I know it might be four on five on offense, but, hey, we might actually be able to stop somebody on defense. I think it was Catherine when she said in, in Slack, it's like when he shoots the ball, it's like, has he ever shot a basketball before? I don't know. I don't know what's up with that shot. <laughs> yeah, that's very that – was, that, was, that actually made me laugh when she said that because I was like, that, that's exactly what that looks like out there right now. It's like I'm shooting a three. We got a couple questions from Scotty G. First one, is Eugene an anti-vaxxer? 
but seriously, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, I am feeling better. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's just that I was so lazy in getting my flu shot and just kind of put it off. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, wow, it's uh, middle of December. And then I woke up and just did not feel well at all. But so I do plan on getting get my your, flu shot. You did not get your flu shot yet, which makes I, you an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And, yeah, you got, and you got everything you deserve as far as I'm concerned. Uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Uh, last year I got my flu shot in September, so it was like super early. There you this- go. So you were responsible last year. You're getting older and less responsible like the rest of us. <laughs> Did you guys get your flu shot? Oh, heck yeah, man. I got a doctor in the family. Uh, so I'm like, uh, it gets put in me before I even realize it's flu season. Oh, man. What about you, Stan? Uh, no, I, I did not. I'm facing the elements uh, head on uh, without a shield, just a sword, and I'm, I'm ready for it. Bring it wow. on. Wow. I, I, it's probably going to end terribly, and I can't wait to miss the next three weeks with the flu. It's going to be wonderful. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It's like uh, it ended real well for the uh, 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. That's yeah. like what? That's like you're you're riding out there right now. No flu shot. Oh, 100 percent. That's exactly how I envision myself as a Thornton go <laughs> up against the Persians. There. Yep. Second one from Scotty G. How ugly is St. Joe's home floor? I hate the Hagen oh, Arena. I hate God it so almighty. much. What they do? Why? Just why? That's the simple question. Why? Why do that? It was perfectly fine. <laughs> I actually don't remember what it looked like before. And I was, I, I you know, the game, I think it, it was the game tipped on a different channel. Was that the one that tipped on ESPN news? And I remember thinking like, am I on, is this actually the Villanova game? Like, where are we? <laughs> um, you know, I know what they were going for. It's what everyone goes for. And it's like, you know, signature court, something new and fresh, but in typical St. Joe's fashion, uh, just a complete swing and a miss. Um, just not even close to like something that is, you know, mildly passable in terms of like, you know, something new and cool and fresh and, and trying to keep up with the times. Uh, uh, it, it just was terrible. The gray, like the, the wings on the bird, it, it all made no sense at all. <laughs> uh, St. Joe's never going to get it. Never going to understand. Have you guys ever no, been to the, the, uh, I've walked through it actually. I've never been for a game, but um, I had a couple of friends uh, over there and uh, we went over there and, and we're playing some pickup uh, in there one day. Uh, got back when I was like a sophomore. So I've been in the building, but I don't, I think they renovated it, right? Like that's, uh, that was the big yeah. thing they, they underwent. So I was in there, I was in there pre-renovation. I haven't seen the, the new building since they redid it. What about you, Stan? So yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to get to a game there one day. Have yet to be there though. Uh, I went there with like a, a traveling band of the Augustinian army when it was still Augustinian army. And uh, it was, was yeah, it was a blast. It was so <laughs> fun. What's it called now? I don't even think they just kind of disbanded it. I think in like 2016, like right after that championship. And then I think I saw that they were kind of, they're asking for names for like a new fan section. I don't know what it is now. Oh God, the libs got to it, didn't they? i kid i kid uh but yeah i had no idea that it wasn't the augustinian army anymore i didn't realize that too until i kind of stumbled upon one of their old videos and stuff and then i went on one of their social media pages and i realized wait a second this this has not been updated in four years three years so yeah Hmm. it's pretty much done oh boy wait so when'd you go sophomore year yeah it was sophomore year it was the first year after the holy game and I just remember trolling Halil the whole game. <laughs> and also all, all the St. Joe's fans around us. I, there was this one point where I think 
three girls tried to like infiltrate their student section and then one of them got tackled. It was it was insane. Nice. It was it was great. It was a great time. <laughs> Bunch of savages. We got a couple here from Jerry Quinn. He wants to know, are we ready for the Kansas game? I'm dying for the Kansas game. Yeah, we need we need a good basketball game. We need a good basketball opponent. No more Big Five in Delaware. Whoa, whoa, come on, come on, Big Five, come on. Did you did, – did, I'm not – it wasn't a knock on the Big Five, you <laughs> God, I'm trying not to get myself killed right now. Uh, just the, the teams right now aren't exactly the best. Kansas is much better than all those teams. Let's just go with that, and I'm looking forward to playing a very good basketball team, that's all. Yeah, I'm fine if it's a dig at uh, the uh, Big Five, actually, Eugene. So, uh, you know, keep pounding that away. Um, the Big Five has its purpose purpose and it's basically just you need to fill out a schedule these are all local games it keeps costs down there's a semblance of a fan base that uh, cares about those rivalries so that's all well and fine uh and some years temple and, and st joe's and uh you know hopefully LaSalle with ashley howard can be decent opponents not lately though um you know kansas is going to be going to be awesome um i'm really really pissed off that i'm not going to the game actually i did not get clearance from uh Mrs. Lane, who's the boss of the house, so I will not be there in person, and I've never been more upset in my life. But uh, I'm pumped for that game because it. Uh, do you guys remember the last time Kansas was there? What happened? Because I kind of, I kind of forget. Oh, 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 Villanova won. Oh, they did, and they won by like only a little bit, though, right? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, was funny. that was. It was, it was not, it was like 25 or 30, I want to say. Um, yeah, but it was funny. Good. That was, uh, that was my recruiting trip to Villanova was for that game. Like during, you know, whatever it was like two, three feet of snow on the ground. Oh, wow. Um, so that was like the game where, you know, we went to that, like I had a, I had a really good time obviously. And I, I was kind of already going to go to Villanova at that point, but that kind of mm-hmm. cemented it for me, um, was like, yeah. Oh, you know, we have a really good and young and clearly talented basketball team too, because, I knew there was no football there and that was kind of a bummer, but I was like, you know, maybe basketball will be a cool thing. And that was kind of like the coming out party for uh, like Sumter and Ray and, and uh, Kyle. I think Kyle really actually got kicked out of that game for uh, punching a dude in the nuts or maybe that was a different game. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty sick. I don't remember that, but yeah, that's, that's fine. Makes it more I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna Google this. Let's keep. Let's go to another question. I'm coming back to this. I know Lowry got thrown out of a game for some like punching a guy, uh, like uh, <laughs> below the belt shot at one point. So, so your freshman year was 05, the 0506 squad, the elite. Yeah, year. that was. Uh, yeah, that was uh, like the first game I ever went to was uh, Oklahoma in the Pavilion, uh, which like still to this day actually is like a top three game for me. Um, it was. It was an awful, awful day. The game was at like six o'clock at night on a Saturday, I think. Uh, and it was like four degrees outside. Um, and it was back in the days in the pavilion where, and I don't know if it, it actually probably is still like this, where you had to line up like for a big game, you'd be lined up at oh, nine yeah. in the morning out, yeah. outside. And so it's like below freezing and everybody's drinking all day. And we basically just had to take shifts in terms of like who was going to go save a spot for like, you know, the four or five guys in our dorm hall that had tickets, like who's going to go sit outside and save a spot in line so that we don't get, you know, all the way at the top of the, the bleachers back then. Um, and I just remember my roommate at the time uh, went out there, uh, liquored himself up real good, went out there in like a full Villanova jersey, shorts, no undershirt, nothing, and stood out there for like two and a half hours to the point where like we're texting him. He's not responding. <laughs> and uh, he finally like wanders back in and like, 
fingertips were blue and all that stuff. And we're like, you definitely have to go to the, uh, uh, to the infirmary here, bud. Like this is, uh, this is not good. This is like clearly a developing frostbite situation. <laughs> oh my God. So did he actually end up having frostbite or, or was it false alarm? No false alarm. He just, uh, mm-hmm. he'd been right, right. Uh, uh, just outside for way too long, obviously at that point. And, uh, uh, kind of just got caught up in like, I've, I've got a lot of whiskey in my body and people are talking to me and we're having a good time. Everybody's pumped for the game. And all of a sudden I think, it, you know, when, when the liquor wears off, you start going like, yeah, it's, it's really bad out here. I got to go now. Wow. Props to him. <laughs> Chris, that's like that, uh, that St. John's game senior year. Oh God. Two degree weather at Fargo center. Yeah. Oh God! Remember the the mini keg you had? It froze upon impact and beat <laughs> in the air. Yeah, a great, great time. Oh my God, that that was the worst. That was by far the worst. And and they wore those Georgetown jerseys that game too, if I if I remember. They correctly. did. They did. They I did. think. And Chef had a concussion. That yes. too. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I have to say, I'm right here. That was that game. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Lowry got thrown out in that game. Reading oh, the Nova man. Notebook from that season right now. Mike Sheridan still doing the notebook back then. So there was one moment uh, in that game uh, late in the first half with number two Kansas in town. Lowry found himself playing defense against Keith Lankford. In the midst of that, he reacted to some contact and threw a punch in the direction of the Jayhawk. There you go. <laughs> Immediately thrown out. And we still won by 30 without our NBA All-Star. World hey, oh. That's great. And you're sure it was below the belt punch? That I, uh, I don't know about that. It does not. It does not it say. Uh, <laughs> does not say that in this article. I generally remember it being kind of like into the midsection, like that area, because they were showing the replay on the. Uh, it was down at the Wells Fargo Center or whatever it was back then. God, what was it back then? Wachovia Wachovia. Center. Um, yeah, Wachovia Center. Yeah, the Wachovia Center. Yeah, yeah, the other bank uh, before they got absorbed. But um, uh, and then we had a financial meltdown, and and uh, all banks can go rot. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was a it was a great game. I remember they showed that on the board, and it, it, like the whole crowd was booing when he got teed up and thrown out, and and then they showed it like really briefly, and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the uh, Josh Hart and Dominic Sue stop. Oh, I was just about to reference oh. that. I was like, everyone in my, oh, everyone who was a Villanova fan there was obviously pissed, and then they saw it, like they showed it, and were like, oh. Whoops. Okay, we'll we'll shut up now. It's uh, it's one of my favorite like running themes with Villanova fans is that like the Villanova team and players aren't dirty and don't like play with a chip and an edge. <laughs> it's like I, I've never seen more people talk shit on a basketball court than like Josh Hart, Mikel Bridges, oh, yeah. Jalen Brunson. <laughs> like these guys just like chirp the entire game and and Hart in particular like really towed the line a few games like just in terms of like tripping people and stomping on people and like you know, taking some, uh, some extra contact on the way by he, uh, you know, he played, he played hard and like right to the edge and sometimes a little over the edge. And we like to pretend that doesn't exist for some reason. And it's like not a good thing. And it's actually a really good thing. Yeah. We love it. Shows were not soft uh, to a certain degree. Exactly. Gotta, gotta get that mainline reputation out of there. Yeah. Last question from Jerry Quinn. Do you think you could survive an entire workout with coach Shaq? Stands. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked <laughs> about this one. Uh, oh, I'm going to stop in for Stan, but we, yeah, we talked about this one before the uh, the show because we were laughing so hard at it. But I think the time <laughs> of the workout is my biggest question. Back to Jerry, um, if this is a you know classic Shack 5 a.m. workout, there's no way I'm lasting even 10 minutes. Uh, 
I, I like to have myself a good time at night and uh, would not do so well at five in the morning uh, doing very quick uh, circuit style workouts with uh, John Shackleton. Yeah. It, with regards to the time, I, I may be 25. How am I? 25. Yeah, I'm 25. Uh, but I have the mind and uh, mannerisms of a 50 year old and I am up at 4:30 in the morning to work out. So getting up for it won't be the problem. Uh, I would love to be part of a coach shack workout one day. I would love to take part in it. I hear they're really intense. Um, I've never seen a video of it, but Eugene, I think me and you and hey, Chris, please come along. We should all go for a coach shack workout, record it and put it up on view hoops or use it as a entire podcast. And it'll be great content, hashtag content. Oh no, no, no. I'm going to die. I'm going to uh, die. First of all, you know, I know there's like a lot of hoopla for like freshman 15. I actually thought I was in like the best shape of my life in college. <clears throat> but then it's like, no, no one tells you when you graduate college, all physical activity just drops. Oh my God. I think now, <laughs> now it's just like, you know, you can't go to the gym or it's like you're working late hours, you're working odd hours. And now it's like, wow, I don't think I can survive a single circuit or anything. Yeah, I'm with Stans. If we can, if anybody knows John Shackleton on a uh, personal level and can get this whole thing set up, I think we just got to do a whole VU Hoop staff workout with him one day, <laughs> film the entire a, thing. A I think like everything from like yeah, like weigh and like heavyweight style. Like, all right, everybody, take your shirt off. We're measuring body fat now, and just have him <laughs> scream it at us. Like, uh, uh, what's the dude, uh, Gordon Ramsay? Like, just like, what have you been doing with your life? <laughs> what are you that would actually make for an excellent video <laughs> yeah i think we got i think we got to do it like reunion or uh or homecoming weekend like next season we got to set that up and just film the entire thing we need if anybody out there is into video production or or really good at that kind of stuff i think what we got to do is get some somebody pro editing the whole thing we turn this into like a you know six-part series where we just get destroyed <laughs> by john shackleton on homecoming weekend we could do it like office style too, where it cuts to like us individually yeah, yeah, interviews opinions on it and all that. Yeah. It's like survivor. Like you're like, I I'm not going to make it. I'm walking out right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing what next we're doing. We're doing lats. No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm walking out. I'm going to, I'm going down to the spit. <laughs> 12 minute plank. Oh no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You got me trying to sneak in a fat cat in between workouts. It'd be a great time. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's what the people want is uh, just a bunch of uh, casual fans uh, who like to talk shit about the team when things don't go well. Uh, live a day in their shoes. See how we do. Mm -hmm. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to View Hoops. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. You got many, many options. Please rate us five-star, 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 five-star. Check out VUHoops.com. We're always pumping out content. Check back every day, all day. Brendan Riley's got the Arisen to start off your day. And then, of course, we always have little game previews, recaps, and stuff like that. Also, please make sure you follow VU Hoops on social media. You can do so at VU Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Chris Lane, thank you so much for hopping on. Where can the people find you on social media? Oh man, you can find me uh, at Chris JJ Lane on Twitter is where I'm doing most of my uh, my commentary these days. You can also find me in the occasional uh, game chat or post on VUHoops.com. 
if anybody uh, ever wants to hang out, I'm frequently at the uh, New York Game Watches as well. So uh, go Cats, baby. Chris, where can the people find you? Or I should say stands, where can the people find you? Uh, well, still, still on social media. Still right. retired, but I did log in the other day, Wednesday, uh, not Wednesday, it was Tuesday, uh, because I had to just write a requiem, well, not a requiem, but like a, just a little farewell tweet to Didi Gregorius, who just signed on with the Phillies, because of course he did, everything I love, always <laughs> relates back to Philadelphia, somehow, some way. My favorite Yankee of at least the past five years, uh, signing with the Phillies on Tuesday, uh, enjoy him, Phillies fans. Treat him well. He's a great player, fun player. Enjoy him. But uh, with regards to social media, I guess you can find me at the stands, man. I'll plug it here just so you can read that. And uh, yeah, I got nothing else. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay at Erepay5. Nova Nation, have a good weekend. Happy we're back. Sorry it took a little while. Chris Lane, thank you for hopping on. And let's beat some blue hands. <laughs> <laughs>